This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Psalm 42 is where we're going to be at today. We're continuing our series entitled Affliction. Uh, This is message number 12 in our series, uh, 12 of 13. So next week we're going to wrap up this series. Uh, If you missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org or subscribe to our podcast um, or download our smartphone app to your phone or your tablet or how you get podcasts. Stay caught up that way. I hope these messages have been an an encouragement to you as you've uh, Really look at what the Bible has to say about suffering and how what our response to that is. Uh, and next Sunday, I want to encourage you to be here, bring a friend with you. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at what the Bible says about depression and suicide. Uh, I've been in church my entire life, uh, 40 plus years. I've never in my entire life ever heard a pastor preach an entire message on depression and suicide. And there's so much confusion, uh, so much uh, misinformation, I think, uh, so much... Um, I believe shame in the idea of talking about depression amongst Christians, and, and we're going to do away with all that. We're going to be really clear about what the Bible has to say about that and really kind of bring things like this out into the light. So I hope you plan on being here. Pray for me if you would. I've never preached a message like this before. I've got a lot of great resources uh, that I think will be a help to you. And so just be in prayer for next Sunday's message and plan on being here. Bring somebody that you think would be this would be helpful to you as well. Uh, as soon as the message is over, we'll have it on our website to be able to listen to you later as well. Uh, but Psalm 42 is where we find ourselves here today. Psalm 42, we're going to start in verse number 1. Psalm 42, verse number 1. As the heart or the deer, uh, the song we just sang, as the deer, that's where this uh, phrase comes from. As the deer panteth after the water brooks, so my panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I'd gone out with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse number five, I think, really kind of sets the stage as far as what we're talking, taking a look at next week as far as uh, depression. The word disquieted is not a word that we use in our vernacular today. Disquieted, though, means anxiety. Why is my soul so cast down? Why am I depressed? Why do I struggle with this anxiety? And he says, hope in God. Verse number six, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites, and the hill of Mizar, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. My prayer unto the God of my life. I'll say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. I remember uh, several years ago, um, I had uh, never been a runner. Guys my size probably shouldn't run. Uh, But but I decided I wanted to to be a runner. uh, And I'd never ran probably more than two miles in my entire life. And I decided to sign up for a 5K. For those of you who don't know, 5K, uh, five kilometers, 3.1 miles. And so I signed up for that in Huntington Beach. And I did a lot of training and stuff like that. And I was really excited about this. And I figured out my mile splits and how often I should be at each mile marker and things along those lines. And I ran the the 3.1 miles. And at the end, they gave you a a medal and I got a t-shirt and all that other stuff I got my picture made and I told my wife at the end of that I go I, I think I'm I think I can do this I said I think I'm gonna run a marathon and she says how long is that and I said 26.2 miles and she goes you could never run a marathon and I took that as a challenge like okay 
I'll show you. Uh, and so if you, uh, I'm kind of keen to it now, but I think my wife was goading me into it. Like you could never do that as a way to motivate me. Um, and so uh, she was messing with me, I think. And so I decided I'm going to do that. And so I got online and started doing a little bit of research and things like that. And I found myself an 18 week training plan. And then I found a, a marathon that was about 20 or so weeks out. And so I began my training and you know, training three or four days a week that you're running. And then on the weekends, you make your long runs and it eventually builds up to uh, the majority of the distance and things like that. Long runs of 20 or 22 miles on the weekends leading up into it. And then you taper off at the end. A lot of training and preparation. I was paying attention to what I ate uh, and things along those lines. And uh, race day comes and I signed up for my very first uh, marathon. It was a trail marathon in Catalina Island, California. Catalina is absolutely beautiful, but it's very hilly terrain. And so it's a lot of fun to, to go out there and run that. And I, and I finished my first marathon. I took pictures. I was really excited. And I told my wife, I'm going to do it again. And she goes, okay. Uh, and so I signed up for another one, did a little bit of training and ran that okay. And then I had a friend who said, hey, we should run the Santa Barbara Marathon together. And I said, man, that sounds good. And so we put it on the calendar and uh, figured out my training plan. Uh, and then about two weeks into my training plan, I got the flu. And I didn't run for probably two or three weeks after that. And then after that, work kind of got a little bit busy and family got a little bit busy and I was, uh, wasn't able to eat the way that I should have and, and things along those lines. And the, the date for the, the uh, Santa Barbara Marathon keeps getting closer and closer and closer and my preparation starts getting farther and farther and farther off pace of where I should be. Uh, to the point that I showed up the morning of the Santa Barbara Marathon not having ran in almost three months. Not haven't trained in three months, haven't ran in three months, right? And so uh, we start off and he was like, are you okay? I go, yeah, I just don't feel well at all. And probably three or four miles into it, I felt terrible. Uh, it was awful. Uh, my legs hurt. I was winded. I was so badly out of shape. Uh, and I said, I'm just going to push on through because you don't quit. Uh, something I taught my kids, kings don't quit. We just finish it up. We gut it up. We suck it up. We get through it. I thought about quitting, but I didn't. And so uh, we get down to the end of it and this particular marathon, I love the, the Honolulu Marathon. You can run it. If it takes you 28 hours to run it, you can run it in 28 hours. They had a time cap of six hours. And so we're at like 545 with like two plus miles to go. And it's just like, this is not good at all. And so we, we sucked it up. We sprinted through the last uh, two miles, and I finished at like 558, like two minutes before the cutoff, or I would have not even had the opportunity to finish. What was the difference between those that I had prepared for and the ones that I didn't prepare for? My performance on the day of the race. If you ever played sports and you had a good coach, your coach would always tell you, we play like we, what? Practice. You're slacking off in practice. You're putting a halfway effort in at practice. When it comes to game day, that's exactly how you're going to play. And when it comes to the game of life that we play, I'm going to tell you this, you play like you practice. And so David here talks to us about what training and preparation for trials looks like? How can we prepare our lives so that when trials come, we're prepared for it? Hey, I knew this was coming. I've been training for this. Now is my opportunity to allow my training to take over and to walk the path that I've already set ahead of time. So that's what we're taking a look at uh, this morning, how we can prepare for trials. Hopefully over the last 10 weeks or so, you've gotten some tools that you put in your tool belt to help you walk through trials. Hopefully by this point you realize trials are coming, don't let it surprise you. And when difficult times come, don't be like, oh no, what do I do now? Now that's the time to fall back on your training. Okay, I knew this was coming and here's how I'm gonna deal with it. And how do we deal with it? We press further into our faith. We decide to be more faithful to God. We dig into the word of God. We surround ourselves with the people of God. And we trust in God through the process and allow him to strengthen us day by day by day as we walk through difficult times. That's the idea behind that. And if you missed any of that, we've been talking about it for the last 10 weeks. Now go back and listen to those messages. I promise you they'll help you. But if you're not going through a trial right now, you're not going through difficulty right now, I hope you're taking good notes because you will need this one day, I guarantee you. And so if you're well prepared, when trials and difficulty come, you're gonna say, hey, with the Lord's help, I've got this and I'm gonna be better as a result of it. Psalm 42 is one of the psalms of lament, as they're known in the Bible. Uh, many of the psalms of lament talk about difficult times and trials and, uh, that we go through. Last week, we took a look at how Psalm 119 was a mixture of praise God for his word and also a psalm of lament uh, going through difficult times of suffering. This would be a psalm of lament. I'm going through a difficult time, but I choose to trust in the Lord. And as we walk through this this morning, I want you to see... Uh, Really, again, I want you to understand that the Bible has the answer for every problem that we have in life. 
Everything that you're gonna come face to face with in life, the answer for it is found in the word of God. And, and this verse, really, this, this passage, chapter 42, is really a clinic on how to deal with trials from beginning to end. And I want you to begin reading the Bible, not for information, but for application. Many times we sit down and we go, oh, I read five chapters of the Bible today. That's good. What did you get from it? How do you apply it to your life? And I want you to start reading the Bible as this is God's way of guiding you into truth. This is God's way of guiding you into spiritual fruitfulness. As we walk through this passage together this morning, we take a look at verse number uh, one through three this morning, and we see that in times of trials, our hearts should crave God so much more. You see, it's easy to lean on God when things are going your way. Hey, if you get a promotion at work, hey, praise God. Hey, God, thanks for taking care of me. When your bills are paid, hey, praise God that he provided. When you get that news back from your doctor and it's all thumbs up, we can say, hey, praise God for my health. It's difficult to praise God in the midst of trials, but that's precisely what we're told to do. Take a look at verse number one. As the heart or the deer panteth after the water's brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. Just like an animal that runs through the forest is always on the lookout for water, as I run through this life, I'm always on the lookout for God. And my heart desires him. My heart craves him because he's life to me. Verse number two, my soul thirsteth for God. Not just God, but the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When will I have my day that I actually get to see God face to face? I'm looking forward to that. I crave that inside my soul, the day that I get to see God face to face. And my faith becomes sight at that point. Verse number three, it says this, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? It's interesting here. He says, I love God. My heart craves after God. My heart desires God just like an animal looks for water. I look for God everywhere that I go. He said, but the people around me, they see what I'm going through. You know what they say? Where's your God now? I thought God was gonna take care of you. Look at, look at what this mess that you're in. And, and at this stage, he doesn't really know how to process that. He says, my meat has been my tears day and night. I feel like I'm living off of my sorrow. I feel like the only thing that keeps me going is this pain that's inside of me. And people look and see what I'm going through. Where's your God now? Where's he at? Did he leave you? Did he, did he forget about you? If God's so good, why are you going through this? And if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to listen to that negative chatter and it goes to our heart. Yeah, I mean, I thought God was good. I thought God was faithful. I thought God was gonna see me through this. But in times like that, we have to run back to God and our heart has to crave him. So many times I've seen Christians get frustrated or disappointed or discouraged with God and then they leave their faith behind. No, no, friend, this is time to dig in deeper to our faith. This is time to see God at work in every aspect of our life. This is a time where we need to look and see, hey, God's still at work. I'm still breathing today. That means God's given me another day of life. God is still on the throne. God is still sovereign. God is still in charge. I trust him, and this is my opportunity to live out my faith. Again, you don't need faith when all of your bills are paid. You don't need faith when everything's going your way. You don't need faith when everything's working in your favor. So God takes you through times where the only thing that you have is faith, where the only hope that you have is to lean on him like never before. And that's not by coincidence. That's by God's perfect design. Bible says that when we're born into this world, we're born at odds with God. The Bible says there's none righteous, there's none that seeketh after God. So this idea of seeking after God is not natural for us. When trials and difficulties come, our natural response is to figure out how we can fix it. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And when uh, my kid gets some uh, strange thing that I've never heard of that the doctor says, my first stop is WebMD, right? Google it, find out what's going on. And I, I have a friend who's a doctor, and I said, uh, how often do you have people come into uh, the doctor's office and say, hey, I was researching my symptoms online, and I think I have, and he just laughed. 
And I said, how often does that happen in a given day? He said, probably twice a day does someone not tell me what they've self-diagnosed themselves with. I thought, man, that's crazy. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. I laughed at it. It says, um, ask your doctor if the commercials that you see on TV are the right drugs for you. I thought, that's so funny. Like, hey, I was seeing this the other day. Is that what's right for me? And we try to self-medicate. We try to self-figure out all of our problems. And God says, no, let me handle that. But that's not our natural response because we're sinners by nature. We've rebelled against God's design. We've rebelled against God's rules. And because of that, we've created distance between us and God. By default in this world, we are born into this world orphaned. And the Bible says we're the children of wrath, the children of disobedience. Uh, and, And Jesus went so far as to say some really religious people were the children of the devil. We're not all children of God by default born into this world. We have to make a choice for that because we've sinned against God. The Bible says there's a penalty for our sin and that sin is death. We're all gonna die one day and we'll stand before God. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. When you and I take our last breath here on planet earth, we will stand before God and the Bible says we'll give an account of our life. And God's not gonna care how good of a person you are, what good things you did with your life or how you helped other people or helped the world. He's gonna ask you the question, how are you gonna pay for your sin? The Bible says that you can pay for your own sin by being separated from God in a place called hell. Hell's a real place that burns with real fire for all of eternity. And the Bible says that you can pay for your own sin that way or you can allow someone else to pay for you in your place. Now, I can't pay for your sin because I have my own sin that must be paid for. This church could not pay for anyone's sin. No church in the world could pay for another person's sin. It requires somebody that could pay for your sin to be perfect in every way and to have never sinned because at what point they sin, they now owe God for their sinful condition. Only one person's ever lived a perfect life and his name was Jesus. And he came to die on the cross to pay for your sins and pay for mine. And when you stand before God, the only people that can pay for your sin is you or Jesus. Now, here's the really, really, really super duper important part that you cannot miss you will not have a choice the day that you stand before God to make that decision. You have to make it before you die. Because once you die, the decision you made is already solidified and there's no changing it after that. I've known people before, I've shared Jesus with people before who they say, well, I'm gonna work it out with God when I get there. There will be no working it out with God when you get there. The sentence has already been handed down. There's no court of appeals. There's no second chances. There's no reasoning with God at that point. Once you die, it's over and done with, case closed. But up until the point that you die, you have the opportunity to choose Jesus and say, I'm willing to allow Jesus to pay for my sin. And the Bible says if you would do that, you can be today what's called born again. You get a fresh start with Jesus. And that's really important because Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The only way that you or I can get to heaven is by being born again or being saved from our sin. And friend, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven's your home, you're not sure that you are saved, do not leave here today without knowing for sure that your sin is forgiven and and heaven is your home. And at what point you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you become the sons or daughter of God. Now I have a heavenly father who's looking out for me. Now I have a heavenly father who's walking with me through life's difficulties. Now I have a father that loves me and wants to give me every tool and resource that I need to walk with him through this process of difficulty and trials that I go through. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Psalm 63, verse number one says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. See thy power and thy glory as I've seen in the sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. My heart craves after God, my heart desires after God. He says, like a, like a person in a dry and thirsty land, my heart desires you. You see, again and again throughout the Bible, especially through the book of Psalms, he gives this imagery of a craving and desire from our heart that can only be satisfied with God whatever you think it is in life that will bring you lasting fulfillment and joy. If it's not the Lord, you're gonna be disappointed. How many times have we thought that a new car would make us feel better about ourselves only to realize that it only lasts for a few weeks? 
How many times do we think that by getting another job, all of our problems would be sorted out only to find out that this new job has a different set of problems that the other one didn't have? How many times have we thought that just by changing our address to a different place, things are gonna get better and things should be looking up for us only to find out that you still have problems there wherever you go, there you are. Because the thing that our heart craves, the thing that our heart desires is God. And he can satisfy and he alone will satisfy the longing of our soul. Moving on to verse number four, we see in times of trial, find refuge in the house of God and the people of God. Psalm 42, verse number four, when I remember these things, when I remember those who say, where's your God? When I remember the difficulties and trials, I pour out my soul in me for I'd gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day. It's interesting in the Bible, as the psalmist wrote here, there was a place called the temple. This is where everyone would gather together to worship on the Sabbath day, which in, in the Old Testament would have been Saturday. Saturday, everyone would get together, they would go to the temple and they would worship God in this one holy place. But when Jesus came and died on the cross and paid for our sins, all those that put their faith in Jesus and became the children of God, now God says, there's no special building that you have to go into that you and I are the house of God. So when we say that we go to the house of God, we're not talking about the main auditorium at Huicala Baptist Church located at 1216 Waimano Street, Honolulu, Hawaii, 96814. That's not the house of God. If you haven't looked around, this is a concrete slab warehouse that happened to be, I have some chairs set up in it where we gather together. Where is the house of God? You and I are the house of God. The Bible says that we are a holy habitation for God. God's spirit doesn't reside in this building. God's spirit resides in every single person who's a child of his. So you and I are the house of God. And he said, when my soul was cast down, when my soul was poured out inside of me, I went to the house of God. I cannot stress to you how much in times of trials and even in times of good times, you need to be with the people of God. I can't stress that. I was talking to a young lady several months ago who was going through a difficult time and I told her, you need to be a part of a church family. I said, that's different than attending church services. Big difference. Attending church services is like rolling into somebody's house on Thanksgiving, eating a meal, and then leaving before anybody clears the table. That's what it's like to attend a church service. But being a part of a church family is the people who two weeks before Thanksgiving Day are saying, hey, what are you bringing? I'm gonna get the turkey this year. Do you wanna take care of the stuffing? These are the people who are up at 3 a.m. putting stuff in the oven because you only got one oven, you got so much stuff to cook, right? These are the people who are thinking through what's gonna happen. These are the people who after the meal's over are cleaning up and putting things away and washing dishes. These are the people who are, uh, make those nice little uh, foil covered plates for people to take home with them. These are not the people who are, have left midway through the meal so they can watch football with friends. There's a difference between being a part of a church family attending church services. You need to be a part of a church family, every one of you. And here's the thing, if you roll in and you eat the turkey and leave, I ain't mad at you, but just get committed. Be here, put your roots down. I love it when people come and they're only here for maybe even a few weeks, but they put some roots down while they're here. I love that. There's been people who have attended our church before who I say, hey, you should think about church membership. It gives the opportunity to be committed to the body and to bear the burden of the church body and be able to serve other people in ministry. Well, I don't want to get too committed because I'm only going to be here for a little while. How long are you going to be here? Three years. <laughs> Three years is a long time. Can you imagine saying, well, I don't really want to get a house and, and move my stuff in. I'm only going to be here for three years. I'm going to live out of a suitcase because I'm only going to be here for three years. No, you unpack everything, you put stuff away. Why? Because you're putting your roots down. Here, 
the psalmist says, my soul is poured out inside of me, but I had to get to the house of God. Take a look at verse number four again. Psalm 42, verse number four. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, which again now is no longer a physical location. It's being with the people of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the holy day. I got together with people who were praising God. I got together to hear about how good God is. And let me help you with something. You might say, well, I don't really like the music here at Hui Kala, or I like different kind of music, or I think the music portion is boring. You know what that is? It's a time of praise, talking about how good God is. To think that how great the chasm that lay between me and God, how high the mountain was that I could not climb to get to God. But the God of heaven displayed his mercy and came down to die for my sins. And because of that, the cross says, I am forgiven. And the king of kings calls me his child. Beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And look, I don't know what you're going through this week, but I know this, God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins, to give you the hope that you need to keep pushing forward this week. And we wanna get together and praise God for that. I wanna get together with God's people and say, hallelujah, what a savior. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, but he, my savior, he makes me whole. I wanna praise God with people. And I wanna encourage you to have a voice of praise and worship to God when we get together. I hope after we dismiss from the service, you don't immediately just bolt out the door. I want you to find somebody and talk about how good God's been this week. I want you to share some good things that God's done for you. I want you to share prayer requests that you have with people. Why? Because that's part of being a part of the house of God. <coughs> In your notes here, we have uh, Psalm 84, 10. It says, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I just want to be around God's people. Psalm 122, verse number one, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hey, church is not a place that you have to go to. It's a place where you get to be with God's people. I remember as a kid being frustrated, having to go to church all the time. Do we have to go to church tonight? Do I have to go to teen Bible study? Do I have to do this? And Something changed when I saw church as an opportunity to be around some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life, to be together with family. You know, sometimes we have to kick people out of this place. It's like, hey, church wrapped up two hours ago. If you guys want to hang out, like go to eggs and things or something because we're shutting the lights off in here. You know what I love about that though? It's family. You can hang out here all night and talk. Then we talk about God's goodness all day. I want to spend time with these people. I want to be connected together as a family. I don't want to run out the door as soon as I can because Duke's a hazard reruns are on tonight, you know? I want to be around God's people. And Sunday's one of my favorite days of the week. I get together with God's people, with my family. That's the thing that the Bible says that when we become uh, Christians, that we become part of a family of God. I get to be with family and I get to talk about God's goodness. I get to praise God together. That's what this life is about. Don't neglect the house of God, the people of God, when you're going through your time of trial. Next, we see in verse number five, in times of trial, God is our hope. Love the song we sang this morning, Jesus Christ, my living hope. The word hope that the Bible speaks of in verse number five, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The word that's used in the Bible when it speaks of hope is not a wish. Well, I hope traffic's not too bad today. I hope the line at the restaurant's not too long. I hope uh, my kids are behaved tomorrow. I hope work isn't too hectic tomorrow. That's just a wish. That's not the type of hope that we're talking about when we talk about the Bible. The word hope that's used in the Bible is a confident expectation based on the character of God and the promises of God's word. It's a confident expectation. I know that God is going to work this out for good because that's who God is and that's what he's promised. So my hope in this situation is in the Lord. 
I know this situation is placed in my path by God because that's what God does. I know that God is orchestrating all of the circumstances in my given situation because that's what God does. And I have hope in God because of who he is and what his word has promised to me. That's what hope looks like. And I love verse number five, and we see it repeated at the end of this psalm as well. It's a little bit of inner dialogue. It's a little bit of self-talk. Hey, come on, soul, what's wrong with you? Hope in the Lord. Hey, why do I have all this anxiety inside me right now? Why am I so depressed right now? Hope in God. And I love this because he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand why he feels the way that he does. But here's what he does know, that there's hope in the Lord. And you might be sitting here today going, I have no idea why I feel the way that I do. I have no idea why this is happening to me right now. But here's what you can know. You can hope in the Lord today. He's faithful. You can trust him. He's brought you this far. He'll take you the rest of the way. Trust in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Lamentations chapter three, verse number 22 is in your notes of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a promise right there that God's mercies are new every morning. If you're having a crummy day, just go to bed and tomorrow morning you get a fresh start. And God's mercy is fresh every day. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Hey, look, we don't have time to preach that entire passage this morning, but that'll preach. Hey, it's only the Lord's mercies that you're not consumed. The only reason that you're not dead today is because God has chosen to be merciful and give you another day of life. Walk through verse 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 there from Lamentations with me. They're new every morning. You get a fresh start every single day. God's faithful every day. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. He's enough for me. He gives me everything that, my, that I need, everything that I desire, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I have a confident expectation based on God's character and the promises of his word. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Just be patient. Just trust God. It might not get worked out this week. It might not get worked out this month. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. It might not get worked out this year, but just wait on him because he's good to them that wait on him. I lost my place. Oh, there we go. To the soul that seeketh him. Hey, just in this time, I'm going to continue to trust in the Lord. And you know what? It's a good thing that a man should hope and at the same time, quietly wait for God to just work everything out. So allow God to do what he does. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust him because he's trustworthy. He is my hope. Verse number six, we see in times of trial, remember God's faithfulness. Verse number six, Psalm 42, verse number six, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I'll remember thee from the land of Jordan, from the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Hey, my soul's cast down, but I remember how good you've been in the past. I recommend if you're the type of person that journals, journal. I'm terrible at journaling. <laughs> I've tried so many times to start journaling. I've tried different apps. I've tried different journals. I've tried really nice journals. I've tried a three-by-five card. I've tried everything in the world, and it just doesn't work for me. But you know what I do have that goes back probably 10 plus years? I have my prayer list that I pray through. And sometimes I'll pull out a prayer list from 2013 and I'll see how God answered prayer. I remember I came across a prayer list from probably, it probably would have been around 2012 or so. And under my prayer list for our family, I had a baby. And I remember that was on my prayer list forever. Angela and I prayed for years that God would give us a child. And we tried and we tried and we tried and we tried and it just didn't happen. She'd get pregnant, she'd have a miscarriage. We try. Again, a lot of confusion. What's God trying to teach us? Does God not want us to have more children? And then, miraculously, is the way that God does things. 2017, 
Angela says, you're not going to believe it, but I'm pregnant. I look back at a prayer list from 2012, seven years prior, and I remember how good God is. And sometimes when I'm in the midst of trials and difficulties, I think to myself, I don't know how this is going to work out. And I can look back and see, God's been faithful. He's answered prayers. He's always been on time. He's always provided in his time. He's always worked things out according to his plan. And the things that at the time were so huge that I didn't see how we could ever get past it, guess what? God brought us past it. God did provide. So remember times of God's faithfulness. For me, one of the things that works for me, it might not work for you, but it works for me, is I go back through my camera roll and I look at pictures from two or three years ago. I remember where I was and what I was thinking. Look at my kids and how small they were. And I remember the things that I prayed for my kids during those times. I look back and just see how God's been faithful again and again and again. I think it's my Google Photos on my phone has, hey, here's pictures from this week six years ago. You look at those, you're like, oh, wow. God, you're so faithful. You're so good. And you just look back and you see God's faithfulness and you say, hey, God's brought me this far. God brought me through insurmountable odds time and time again. He's going to see me through this. He's been faithful. Next we see in verse number seven, in times of trial, remember God's sovereignty. We took a look, I believe it was weeks four and five, that we looked at suffering in the sovereignty of God and then what God's sovereignty means. Here's the thing. God has planned your suffering. God has foreordained these things to take place in your life. And he's found a way to bring you through it for his glory. Remember that. If you look at verse number six, I'm sorry, verse number seven, deep, calleth unto the deep. He's talking about the seas here, the depths of the sea. And the depths of the sea is stacked on depths of the sea. How does it do it? At the noise of thy water spouts. God, the depths of the sea churn because you tell them to. You're in charge of all that. And notice what he says here. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. As the depths of the sea continue to churn, I feel like I'm on the bottom and I'm getting beat up. But here's what I remember. I remember that the waves listen to you. If I'm getting beat up by the waves, I know that you sent the waves to beat me up. If I'm going through difficult waters in life, I know that you're the God of the waters. And in the depths of my despair, I recognize that you are sovereign that you are in charge, that you are working things together according to your master plan. And God, this doesn't feel good, but I know that you're good. Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God, I know that you're working this out. I'm just gonna trust you. I believe that you're faithful. I don't understand this. I feel like I'm gonna drown some days. But... I know that you're in charge. There's times where the only answer that we have is the sovereignty of God. Why does God take children away? I don't understand it, but I can say that God is sovereign and he does it according to his will. Why does God allow some of his most faithful servants to go through the most difficult health trials? I don't understand it, but I know that God is sovereign. Why does God allow children to grow up without a father? I don't understand it, but I trust in the sovereignty of God. And there's many times where you and I will not have the answer to the trials that face us, but we can only say, I believe that God is in charge and I trust that he is sovereign. And that will bring great peace on some of your most difficult days. Verse number eight. Take a look at this if you would. I was reading Psalm 42 no lie, like six weeks ago as part of my daily devotions and I came across this verse and I thought to myself, I'm gonna preach an entire message on that about preparing for trials. Verse number eight stuck out to me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. Hey, in the daytime, God is commanding his light to shine upon you. He's commanding his loving kindness to surround you. 
And when things are going well for us, we can see, man, God is faithful. God's at work. God's blessed me. God's taken care of me. But know this, night is coming where you're not gonna feel that warmth anymore. Night's coming when you're gonna question everything that you've held dear so far. Night is coming, and what will you do in the nighttime? Did he forget God? No, he says, I've got a song to sing at night because I see how good God is in the day. He knew that when the sun went down and God no longer commanded his loving kindness to surround him, he had enough of God in his heart to take him through that nighttime period. And he had a song to sing. So in times of trial, sing a song of God's goodness. I remember how good God's been. I remember how faithful he's been. And I have a song to sing of how faithful he is. I have a praise to give, even though I'm walking through difficult times. Hey, I might be staring down death, but I, I can tell you that God's good. I can tell you that he's faithful. And when the sun isn't shining as bright as it used to, I can remember how good God is and I can remember about the sunny days that I had before. When I'm in the depths of the valley, I can talk about the God of the mountaintop because I've been there too. And I know that God is faithful. And friend, let me tell you today, night is coming for you when you will not feel the warmth of the sun. Night is coming for you when you will wonder, has God forgotten me? Night is coming when you will walk through some of the most difficult periods of your life and I want you to already prepare your heart for that, that you have a song to sing in those times of how faithful God is. I want, as your pastor, I wanna prepare you to suffer well. That when times come and darkness comes that you can say, hey, God's faithful. Hey, I'm just trusting him through this. Hey, he'll see me through this. I might not have ever walked this path before, but I know that God has. I might not have ever seen hurt and pain like this, but I know that God has, and I'm trusting him. And I have a song to sing about the faithfulness of my God. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hey, we don't sing songs here just because they're fun to sing. We don't sing songs here because it's catchy. We have never one time ever sang a song in this church that I heard on the radio and I thought, oh man, that's an awesome song. That amps me up. We should sing that. We've never sang a song here for entertainment value, ever. To the contrary, we've sang songs here before that really aren't pleasant to listen to, to tell you the truth. But you know what? The truth that they speak to our soul is what we desire. And I want you, as we gather together as the house of God, the church of God, to sing praise to our God, I want you to listen to what you're singing. I want you to think about what you're singing. I want you to meditate on what you're singing. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. And what did he do? He has shed his own blood for my soul. You know what I say to that? It is well with my soul. Man. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. I want you to have songs that you've already prepared ahead of time. Just remember, hey, my health might not be what it should be, but my sin is no longer on my account. Hey, this sadness that I'm going through, I can't seem to shake it, but I'm gonna remember how good God is. I've got a song to sing about the faithfulness of my God. And you see a guy here in this passage that's going through, I believe, depression, anxiety, 
He feels hopeless, but at the end of the day, he comes back to his anchor point, which is his hope in God. In times of trial, have a song to sing of God's goodness. Psalm 77, verse number one, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Again, a man overcome by his trial, overcome by emotion, but he remembered the song that he had to sing in the night. And he said, it made me search my soul. Prepare for difficulty because it's coming. Here's the other thing I want to give you permission to do. Verse number nine, in times of trial, it's okay to question God. Sometimes people misunderstand who God is. And again, if God is our heavenly father, then our view of God is shaped on what our own earthly fathers were like. I don't know what your relationship with your dad was like, but I promise you that it shapes your your view of who God is. That's why if you are a father, you are obligated to show your children what God looks like. You must be loving, you must be caring, you must be nurturing, you must be kind, you must be gentle. When they step out of line, you must lovingly correct them to bring them back into a right manner of living, not out of anger or frustration, but out of love and compassion and caring. Because when your kids grow up and they hear that God is their heavenly father, the way that you have raised your children will shape their view of God. Be very careful, fathers. but some people view God as a God that's angry, he's mad. When you get out of line, you just ruined his day and he wants to make your life difficult. That if you question God as far as why, God's just gonna say, shut up, I told you to do it. Just do what you're told. Don't ask questions. God's not like that. God wants to hear what's on your mind. He wants to hear what's on your heart. God wants you to be honest with him. Some of the best times of prayer that I've had before is when I tell God that I don't desire him. God, I'm only praying today because I know I need to, but I don't feel like talking to you today. God, I haven't picked up the Bible in six weeks because I really don't want to hear what you have to say. You're like, oh, you talk to God like that? God already knows. God already knows that you don't desire him. God already knows that you'd rather watch Netflix than to read the Bible. God knows that you'd rather sit home and watch TV than go to church. God knows all those things. And when you confess those to him, it actually brings healing in your own heart because you don't have to be fake with him. And you say, God, why is this happening? Why would you do this to me? Let's look at uh, verse number nine. I'll say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? God, what did I do to deserve this? You say that you're there for me. I don't feel like you're there for me. And let me challenge you with this this morning. It's okay to question God. But you have to be prepared for the answer. It's okay to question God. You just got to be prepared for the answer. God, why have you forgotten me? You know what the answer is? I haven't forgotten you. I know exactly where you are. I know precisely what you're going through. God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? Why, God? Are you ready for the answer? God sent your enemies to oppress you. God sent you people to afflict you. That's the answer. It's okay to question God. You just have to be prepared for the answer. It's it's healthy to process through our feelings, but we can't be led by our feelings. You need to ask yourself, why do I feel this way? It's okay to say, God, I'm angry with you. 
God, I feel these things and I feel like you don't care. It's, it's okay to have those types of dialogue with God. It's okay to process through our feelings. But at the end of the day, we cannot be led by our feelings. Our, our feelings will lead us astray. It's okay to have questions, but at the end of the day, we have to come back to the true, faithful, and sure word of God. I can talk through my feelings. I can talk through my emotions. I can question God all that I want to, but at the end of the day, I've got to come back to the only source of truth. And that's found in the word of God. I gotta come back to that. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I think should happen. I've gotta come back to what does God's word say? I have to be led by that. I can't be led by my feelings or the feeling that God's let me down or God's forgotten me. It's okay to question God. You just have to be prepared for the answer. Verse number 11, in times of trial, we take personal inventory and choose to trust God anyhow. Verse number 11 is a repetition of verse number five. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted? Or why is this anxiety within me? Hope thou in God. And he adds this, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance, O oh my God. Oftentimes, I love what he says here. Why are you cast down, my soul? Many times in life, I have to get out a sheet of paper or a three by five card and just make a list. Why am I sad? I'm gonna write out why I'm sad. Why am I feeling this way? Right? Why am I feeling this way? When I feel completely and totally overwhelmed, man, I just need to get it out on paper. Why do I feel the way that I feel? And I write it down and I realize that maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. I begin to process through that. And again, it's okay to process through all this as long as the end result is trusting in God. He says, I don't know why I feel this way. And I'm telling myself, I'm talking to myself, come on. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. Why do I have all this anxiety? But he goes on to say in verse number 11, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Every psalm of lament that you find in the book of Psalms, every single one will be a long, huge conversation how God's forgotten, how God isn't merciful, how the psalmist questions God's love. But at the end of every single psalm of lament, the very last verse always is a choice to continue to trust in God. Always. At the end, he gets down to it and says, but I'm still gonna trust you. God, I feel like you've forgotten me. My enemies are all around me. They all hate my guts. They're coming after me. I feel like you've forgotten my address. I'm gonna trust you anyways. And sometimes we just need to talk through all that in our, in our own mind, in our own heart, in our spirit. Sometimes we need to communicate that out loud to God. God, I'm upset with you. I'm angry. I feel like I don't deserve this, but I choose to trust you. But I'm gonna to continue to walk the path that I'm on. But I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna throw in the towel. I'm not gonna stop being faithful to you. I just don't like how this feels right now. And I'm telling you, your healing in this trial might not be days away. It might not be weeks away. It might not be years away. You may never find in this lifetime the peace from your trial that your heart craves. But I promise you this, you will find God in the midst of it. You will find God right in the middle of your trial. And he's saying, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. We got this. I'm gonna walk with you every single step along the way. And we can choose to trust him. Psalm 77, verse number 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also in thy good work and the talk of thy doings. 
Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. If you read through the Psalms, if you ever see that word Selah, it means to stop and consider what you've just heard. As they read these psalms or as they sang these songs together as songs of worship, they would come to the, uh, the word Selah and they would pause and they'd reflect on what they've just heard. So as you read through the psalms and you see that word Selah, it means stop and just think about what you've heard. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, and they were afraid. The depths were also troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy ways in the sea and thy path in the great water and thy footsteps are not known. But thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Hey God, when everything in the world's falling apart, you've been there leading us every step along the way. Rains poured, the earth shook, the seas were tossed, but there you were leading us every step along the way, and you've been faithful. Three final thoughts this morning. We're done. First of all, prepare for the trial because night's coming. You might be in the middle of the darkest night you've ever been in. I know this. God is there. But if you say, Pastor, I think everything's good right now. Please get ready because your night is coming. It might not be next week. It might not be the week after next. It might not be the next year. But I promise you, it's coming. And when it comes, you need to be prepared for it. Don't be like the knucklehead who decided to show up for a marathon and run 26.2 miles without running for three months. Bad idea. Don't be the Christian who when the trial comes, you go, oh no, what am I gonna do? Oh no, what, how do I handle this? Prepare for it because it's coming. Plan ahead to trust God no matter what comes. Put a stake in the ground and say, I'm gonna be faithful regardless of what happens. We said last week, somebody, sometimes people make a deal with God. Hey, God, I'll be faithful if you'll do this for me. Hey, God, I'll be in church this Sunday if you'll uh, work things out for me. I've had probably a half dozen people in our church that have come to our church before who said, I said, hey, how, how did you find our church? Well, I found you online. Oh, awesome. Do you have another church you were going to? No. I was praying this past week, and I told God if he worked out this situation that I'd come to church on Sunday. Hmm. That's great. You know how many pe- those people that I've talked to, half dozen or so in the last six years, are still in church today? zip you know why because they made a bargain with God and when God gave them what they want they gave God their Sunday no 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 how about this God I'm going to be faithful to you period look me up 20 years from now I'm still going to be with God's people in God's house praising God and I'm going to take my children that God's given me and I'm going to chart a course for them so that 25 years from now they'll want to be serving Jesus because of the joy that they saw in our home And I'm going to make a decision right now just to be faithful. I'm going to be like Job who said, if God kills me, I'm still going to trust him because he's faithful. Make a decision ahead of time. Hey, when trials come, I'm not not going to waver. When difficulties come, I'm not going to question my faith. When our marriage is under attack, I'm not going to look for a way out. I'm going to dig deeper into my faith and I'm just going to do what God's already told me to do. When trials come, I'm choosing to trust God. And how about this? Praise God in advance for victory. And I want to be careful when I say this because there's so much false teaching when it comes to trials out there that you just need to declare victory and it's going to automatically work out in your favor. That's, that's baloney. It's junk. These people who on TV say, oh, if you're sick, you need to declare yourself well. Just say, I am well. I am not sick. Hey, that would be the easiest way to fix healthcare in America, wouldn't it? Man, like I could be president with a plan like that. Medicare for all, nothing. Just declare yourself well and everybody gets well. See how foolish that sounds? So when I say thank God in advance for victory, I'm not saying that everything's gonna work out in accordance to your plan. I'm just saying praise God in advance that he has it all settled. Hey, the sickness that you have, it might take your life but can you praise God in advance that you get victory over death because of what Jesus has given you? 
Hey, your job that you're in might be in danger of losing. You might lose your job, but can you praise God in advance that his plans are higher than your plans? Hey, your spouse that left you might not be coming back to get you, but can you praise God in, in advance that he is your portion and he is enough? That's what I'm talking about when I say praise God in advance for victory. God's victory that he is working on your behalf might not be what you think it looks like, but trust him anyways. Be willing to walk the path anyways because he's good and because he's faithful. Get ready for your song that you're gonna sing. When the sun goes down and the coldness of life rolls in, have that song ready in your heart that's gonna carry you through the nighttime. It's gonna carry you through the darkness so that when the sun shines again, you'll be like, God, you're so faithful. You brought me through it. And he promises to be faithful. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you're saved, you're not 100% sure that if you die today, that heaven's your home, please don't leave here today without knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven. Friend, if you're here today without Jesus, and you experience suffering and difficulty in this life, if you die without Jesus, it only gets exponentially worse. But if you're willing today to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, oh, God's promised to be your Father and to see you through this. And when the life on this earth is done, we get to celebrate for all of eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.